Hello everybody, welcome back to Fastgate Rewatch, Season 3, Episode 18. I am Carl Hats, and with me is Red Nightmare. It's so good to see you again, Hats. Oh so yes, good. we've been away for far too long. Like yes, yes, a, a week. whole week. Yeah, the whole week, and now we're finally back together, and we can get on with this podcast. <laughs> finally. <laughs> finally. No, uh, we are back with Episode 18 of Season 3 of Farscape called Fractures, and it does indeed deal with Moya and Talon meeting up again. Spoilers, but well, yes. I mean, I think we mentioned that last week when we were talking about the, coming, yeah, that's the, the upcoming. So that's fair. It was bound to happen at some point. And so, yeah, just to remind you, what episode we just came off was the choice, which was oh, that was that was a really good episode. Oh, mm. God, up there with uh, the yeah. way we weren't. Yeah, we're definitely with all the best episodes I think that we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, it's a tough act to follow, but we're back now in, you know, sort of into the groove of a a regular episode of Farscape, really. And just to remind everyone where we are, because uh, the Crichton aboard Talon died two episodes ago, or Mm -hmm. three episodes episodes ago, and uh, the crew had been dealing with a fallout from that. Erin was grieving very heavily, and at the end of that, kind of returned to her sort of more peacekeeper-y, soldier-y gear and attitude. So that's where we are, and we start off... Uh, actually in Moya, immediately with Dargo and Crichton running through uh, up to command being like, we found a signal! It's a transport pod. It's closing just in. like, it must be them. It must be them. This is the rendezvous point, right? Yeah, this is where we said we'd meet. And it's like, okay, yeah, it has to be them. But then it's not responding. Okay, well, bring it in and they're sure it must be Talon. <laughs> and John's standing there hold, he, bare-chested, holding a black shirt and a green shirt. Dargo, black or green? Black or green? It's like... Dude, does this really have to happen now? Yes, black or green? Well, obviously the black one. Far be it for me to say, but uh, the cut of that green one does not match the type of your body. Yes. Just saying. Like, <laughs> fashion tips with Dargo, I guess. Yes. <laughs> also, of course, the green and black shirt. Remember, before they separated off into Talon and Moya, mm. that's how we differentiated between the two Crichtons. One was wearing ah. green, one was wearing black. Oh, right. Oh. Oh, see, I was watching that, and I think, oh, okay, that's obvious enough that even Red will pick up on that. Apparently no, I was wrong. No, 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 no. <laughs> Apparently I was wrong about that. Oh. <laughs> I thought that was pretty obvious, but never mind. Nope. Okay. And I totally forgot about that detail. Green or black, and the one on board Talon was the one who had been wearing the black shirt. So John ends up wearing black shirt so that he looks a lot like the other John. Yeah, exactly. Which makes things a lot more awkward, let me tell you. So they, he puts on the black shirt and they go get ready to greet them. We have a scene with Jewel and Chiana. Jewel is trying to get Chiana to wear like a corset or whatever it is. So like, I think you should wear this. It'll, you'll look good in it. Chiana's like, no. No, I'm not wearing that. Oh. <laughs> so I just want you to you know, dress nice. It's like, I, do, I look nice in this. You notice that Jewel ended up wearing that? Yeah, <laughs> it's like fine. I'll wear it. I'll prove a point. And so then we see Crichton and Dargo again speculating about. Well, they're not responding. What's happened? Where's Talon? What's going on? Something's not right about this. Yeah. Well, they said that they defeated the retrieval squad. Maybe Talon came at a cost. So if or... Talon's gone, then we've got a lot of trouble to do. Yeah, you with. can see him being like, if Talon's gone, then maybe I'm sure she's fine, John. Yeah. <laughs> And so then they rush down to the maintenance bay, or the as the pod comes in, and the ladder comes down from the pod. But coming out the pod is not Aaron, uh, Crace, or Rigel. It's in fact a Scarron, 
a Nabari, and a female Hynerian. Well, the Hynerian we don't see right away because they shove a Peacekeeper tech right, yeah, to the yeah, ground. Yeah. You can see John quickly looking like, is that Eren? No. Okay, don't care. Then the female Hynerian pops up from behind the mm. uh, Scarens, apparently riding uh, yeah. on the back. And they say, we're escaped prisoners uh, on the run from the Peacekeepers. And I'm like, hang on, sorry, that's our shtick? <laughs> can't, yeah. no, hey, can't a, do that. No, 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 no. There's a lot of, no, no, no. There's a lot of that going of around. Yeah, like, no, that's our thing. Go, go figure out your own thing. <laughs> and, motley crew and Leviathan ship hmm. pod in this case, on the run from the peacekeepers. Oh, we next, we, next, we were here first. Next thing you're gonna tell us you're on the run from an insane military commander. Yeah, oh, man. And also the Scarron we see is yet another slightly different design of the puppet, really, yeah, of the really animatronic. Different. Very weird-looking Scarron. Yeah. Like, it's... not the regular lizard face. The same shape, but, like, there's there's a regular face at the front of it. There's a bit more rounded in the skull as well. Like, mm. the previous Scarrons we've seen have been, like, big, angular, uh, massive cheekbone skulls. And these ones, it's got sort of rounded, but, uh, again, elongated face. And, like, actually glowing red eyes. And mm -hmm. it's weird that the Scarron designs that we see are not always consistent. I mean... But they are varied species. We're, we're able to true. pick them out. We're not, we don't have to be scaring racist on this. That's it's true. like, I mean, they, all, they, they all they, look alike. I mean, my next point was they are all, you can tell that they're all scaring, but yes. they, there are those slight differences that is interesting. For this some... also has a completely different color of skin. This is more regular skin tone instead of the yeah. darker mm. greenish blackish tint. So yeah, that's pretty interesting. And there you've got, again, the Hynerian female who's dressed in sort of red clothes, and the Nabari who's just dressed pretty plainly with short hair, and so they all step out and oh, well, who's this in? <laughs> I think that's when we get titles. Yes, we... that's where we get titles. Because like, aha, we've fooled you! It was not them at all. And then when we... Also like, hello, we are exactly like you. <laughs> And then when we come back from titles, we have these you know random people explaining who they are and what happened. They're in the in the eating area, and the Scarron, who's called Nigel, I think Nigel or something. Yeah, like that. I, I kept hearing it as Nigel. Nigel, yes. yeah, Nigel the Scarron. Yes, <laughs> not, let, let, no, let's just stick with that. We'll Nigel just call the him Scarron. Nigel. Yeah. <laughs> but he's explaining that they were part of a peacekeeper weapons test to see how different species would react to a new peacekeeper weapon. Yeah, it's like they wanted to see how different species would react and die. We were test subjects. Like, yeah, that sounds like peacekeepers. Yeah, and but they were able to get away. He basically overpowered the tech as he was doing some last-minute maintenance and just zoomed off. Yeah, and so Jewel is approaching uh, the Nigel, the Scaron, to give him some food and just sort of cautiously, and he's like, "If you're worried about my heat defense heat projection, I think yeah, he says, then don't be. They took it out of me, and he sort of." pulls down a bit of his chest armor and there's a big scar on his yeah. chest. They basically remove the gland that does that and it also weakens the Scarron. That's the first thing they do with captured Scarrons, apparently. It's kind of sad. Mm. Almost. Almost. It's still scary. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the transport pod that they came in, you've got Crichton and Chiana and the Nibari, who's called Hubero, and they're mm. on the pod looking for the, another alien that was with them, a Boolite. Yes. A and... Bo Wait, hang on. That's what they what it's called? Yeah, Boolite. I feel bad that we missed Halloween for like by two weeks. <laughs> oh well, never mind. But it's also, uh, also I mean this is a pretty terrifying creature this becomes. 
Yes. Like from body horror I mean, perspective. The creature itself isn't so much terrifying. It's it's predicament that it's is what's terrifying. What's happened to it? Yeah, because it's basically been blown to pieces. It has they say it has a much higher metal content in its body than other things. Would you say that they are very metal species? Ow, metal. They're metal af. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, no, metal is, they're metal as frail. That's what they are. Uh, sorry, metal as frail. Yeah. So he got splattered into many pieces. But Bulite body parts can keep going independent of each other for a little while. So if they can find enough bits of him... And they can reassemble him. They can rebuild him. They have the they have technology. <laughs> the problem is, it's just gooey bits of flesh strewn around the pod, and they're like, "Oh, I think this is." Uh, oh. Yeah, it's like you step on something. Like, I hope that wasn't important. And apparently, they they can last for a half a cycle like that. So they've got they've got time to put him back together. That brings up a whole host of questions. Yeah, I don't want to. Let's not get into that. So then we cut to Talon and see what they're up to. Mm-hmm. Because they were supposed to meet at the point. Rigel is complaining. Because, yeah, they got to the rendezvous point and Moya's not there. And Chris says, well, actually, Talon has found Moya on the extreme edge of his senses. Let's go meet up with them. And then Aaron comes in with Stark's mask in her hand and puts it on a console and tells Talon to plot an intercept course. And then we cut to Moya and Pilot saying that it's Talon, it's really Talon this time. We've sensed him coming and you can tell he's very he's very happy. He's very excited. He's glad they're back. Dargo I... and Crichton are sort of in the corridor when they hear this. <laughs> Dargo turns to John's like, well, go on then. Go to the transport bay and meet them. I, I, I'll t- make sure our guests don't get into any trouble. <laughs> John's like, thank you. He's more, he, he smiles and he's like, thanks, man. And then runs off. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just Crichton meeting the rest of them at the uh, maintenance bay and so the pod comes in mm-hmm. and Rigel comes out first and he's like hey Buckwheat how are you doing? Rigel's like oh hello he's a little bit hesitant he's like oh uh, he- hello John good to see you if you touch any of my stuff blood will spill and John's <laughs> like yeah whatever Turns to the pod again <laughs> and then Crace comes out and he's like, Krace, and Krace is looking a bit sort of awkward. Like, mm-hmm. like sternly, and just looks at him like, knowing what we know, it's like, the look of like, good luck. Yeah, I think, I don't know if he starts to say something, but then doesn't. He's like, um, and then Aaron steps out, and he says, well, there's a familiar face. I'm like, oh, oh, oh you really put oh, your God, oh. you idiot. Oh, yeah, good, good one, John. <clears throat> That and, must have hit right, right at the core. But Aaron is just stone-faced and just says to him, very emotionless, just, hello, John, and just, just walks walk. away, yeah. No ex- uh, change in her expression. Yeah, and Crichton's, like, looking after her, as she, or look, looking at her as she walks away, and like, what? He's puzzled, and he turns to Crace and is like, what's wrong? And then Crace tells him what happened to the other Crichton, or tells him that... The other Crichton is dead. Yeah, and he gives him a bag of other Crichton stuff. So, yeah, now we have to deal with that fallout with the remaining John. So well done on the writers to make him say, well, there's a familiar face. Yeah, I mean, that's like, very twi- deliberate. <laughs> twist that knife. Twist, twist it, it a little bit more. Dead. <laughs> also, uh, Rachel at the end of this scene is like, oh, you have guests. And John's still baffled by what he just heard. So, like, yeah, yeah, whatever. 
It's like, a, a female. And then he goes, rushes off to his quarters. And he goes, and like, yes, no, great, Rachel. Now's the time to bring that up. And so he, we get a, the shot of, uh, the establishing shot of his quarters pans down from the painting of him. Yeah, over the DRD that's guarding um, the female Hynerian here. And then Rigel comes in. He's like, I was right. It is a female. <laughs> she turns around. And she just bows. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. You can, you can stand back up. Well, no need to bow. Because he's like, well, you know who I am. And it's like, well, it's hard to, she says, it's hard to forget the royal profile. And she introduces herself as Oren and basically starts genuflecting to him and saying, no, Dominar, I am... Your servant is like, no, no, you may look at me if I wish it, and I do wish it. No, no, no. <laughs> I love how he said, she said, she starts talking about her predicament, and it's like, oh, no, no, how, I'm very, so, so, so very sorry. I should not draw attention to myself uh, in your presence. And he says, like, no, no, you can be the center of attention if I desire it. And I desire it. And then, and the, oh, God, this. And they oh, just God. zoom in on the eyes, and oh, especially the, the at, blink. Oh, it's God. like, a fluttering eyelids and then zoom in on Rigel's face as well. It's like, like oh, God. <laughs> oh, God, no. Uh, and But she does say that she, the reason she was a prisoner is because she wouldn't support the uh, ruler of Hyneria who had usurped Rigel in the first place. So he's like immediately like, oh, I like you. <laughs> <laughs> You're done good. You're yeah. done good. So we then go back to the maintenance bay where we find Chiana, Dargo, Jewel, Nigel and Hippero in the bay and uh, just trying to sort a few things out, uh, figure out what to do mm-hmm. and Chiana gets a flash and he's like whoa, what was that? Po- there was a pulse blast I heard a pulse blast Cause there's, I, li- I also like this because they're talking about how now that there's only one Crichton and that Stark mm-hmm. is gone Dargo reasons that maybe there will be some sanity back on this ship yeah. <laughs> and at that point Chiana gets a flash and it's like, did you hear that? Pulse weapon uh, so much for sanity around here. Yeah, and she's just freaking out. It's like, no, no, I, I definitely heard it. And like, oh, God, it's happening again. I'm sensing stuff again. This, no, what's going on? Where's that pulse and, like, coming from? And Dargo's just brushing it off like, please. Yeah, can we not? Oh, this is, this is not the time. She's seeing things again. And thus far, we've learned that you should take those seriously. Mm-hmm. So then we cut to Aaron wandering through Moya and, in fact, wandering past the cell that they are keeping the Peacekeeper tech in. Yep. And he's like a really young guy. Basically, he looks like he's just a teenager almost. Maybe, maybe just out of his teens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's trying to convince her to let him go. It's like, you know, they'll turn me, if you turn me in, there'll be a big reward in it for you. You're a Peacekeeper too, right? Yeah, Actually, she... that was one thing I wanted to point out. When he says, like, you're a Peacekeeper too, she just doesn't respond. Mm-hmm. Whereas previously, when she's been asked about that, or it's come up, she's like, she's had more of the attitude of "I was," not anymore. Yeah. Now doesn't she just doesn't it. respond. Yeah, she, uh, but she's also like, "Look, I'm not going to turn you in for a meager reward, two hundred, whatever." Yeah, it's like you're some low-level tech. What do you think they're going to pay me back? It's like, no, 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 no. These prisoners—they're dangerous. Don't you care? And, like, and she just turn, says no and turns around. Nope. Not anymore. And I'm like. Oh. Yeah. Especially the adding of not anymore. Yeah. Yeah, like we saw in the choice, like she's kind of fallen back on what she knows and that's her peacekeeper training and attitude. She cares a lot less about a lot of things. She's like I I, I think th- if, if if you'd give her a suicide mission now, she'd just take it and not really care yeah. about it. 
I think if I want to hypothesize, I would say she's l making herself not care. She's not letting herself care about anything. Yeah. It's, it's more of a conscious also. decision of like, I'm not going to care about anything because this, look at what happens when I did. Mm -hmm. uh, rather than it just being you know, drilled into her through training. Yeah, I think I that's, that. it's not a good way to cope, but it seems to be how she's coping with what happened. So well, when the wound is still fresh, probably anything is a good idea. I suppose so. Almost so, anything. Mm, so anyway, she's not going to turn him in because it just won't get her anything. It doesn't no. care. So then we go to Crichton, who's in presumably his quarters, and he's unpacking the bag that Crace gave him of the other Crichton's stuff. Mm -hmm. And so he's taking out, like, there's a spacesuit, there's a big uh, Peacekeeper trench coat, there's a few other things, and he pulls out a pulse pistol. Oh, I love this a little bit. Because yeah. you can also see him going through this and clearly being, like, slightly sentimental about it, because he knows it was, well, in, in some ways, his twin brother's stuff. But he's like, yeah, you know, the clothes is like, oh, fine, fine. And he gets... Winona, because remember Talon John had Winona, and he holds it up and looks at it, and then holds up his gun, holds it next to that one, and again like holds two guns right in front of him, weighs them up, and drops the one he had been using and starts using Winona again. Don't forget, they're both Winona. Well, when they he no, got he got doubled in, when he was carrying his pistol. Well, no, do you remember in the episode after that when they're when he's like, no, he took Winona. Did Remember, he? Yeah, when he takes the oh, stuff. Damn it! Yeah, no. I th I thought these scenes was way more way more emotional, more, more nice. Be that he basically took took the other John's Winona as a sort of um, no, it, remembrance. It's when he I I remember in the episode uh, where they're leaving. He's like, no, he took my stuff. He took my jacket. He took Winona. God damn it! He took Winona. I remember that very specifically. Yeah, you're you're right. Um, damn but it. there is still a meaning to this scene because we have again. Two identical things, because Winona is just a pulse pistol, right? Yes. It's identical to the one John has, and he's holding two of them out in front, and then he puts one away, and keeps the other one. Mm -hmm. Again, like referencing back to the fact that we have gone from two crimes back to one. Yep. And the one he keeps is the one from Talon John, which is you know the, the one that he had the most attachment to in the first place. It kind of signifies that we've looped back around to where we were before with one Crichton, with all the stuff he had before then, but with all this extra extra baggage, back, yeah, in a way. Mm. I know. I thought there, like that scene and the green and or black shirt scene is like very much making reference to those themes of two to one, and then we've you know, making sure that we we it hammers home that the two Johns are identical, or were, and now we have kind of the original one. Well, not the original one back, but we're back, back to, to one, John. Back to one, yeah. So, and then as he's going through this stuff, he finds Stark's mask is in there because, remember, Stark said, like, gotta get this to Crichton, and he just chucks it aside, and then a hologram pops up from it of Stark, or an yeah, image of it, at least. And, and he says, if uh, if you're seeing this, then this mask has reached its destination. I have a message for you, Crichton. And only and, for you. Yeah, and then it just... Of course, at that point, it fizzles away because Pilot comes over the comms like, Commander, you need to know about something. And John is like, not the time, yeah, Pilot. He's, he's... Really not the time. I, I really like how actually affected John seems to be. Mm-hmm. And throughout this episode, when they do make reference to the other Crichton, the death of that Crichton, 
like the previous few episodes, it's been treated with the proper amount of weight, so that yeah, it doesn't just feel like a cheap thing. Because even the other John is like, he's not happy that that he's the one left. Yeah, exactly. Not, not, that's like he's not happy that there's that he's alone again. Like mm. he part of him probably is, but he didn't want it to happen by the death of himself in a way. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this in the episodes where the the few episodes where we had two Crichtons together. Mm-hmm. And the thing with Crichton is that he felt really awkward and would rather it had never happened. But when it had come right down to it, he wasn't going to sacrifice the other guy because he is, underneath everything, still a good person. That's Yeah, and they're both still human beings. Yeah, exactly. And so we bring that up again where he felt jealous of the other Crichton because he was with Aaron and all that stuff and maybe part of him is thinking I should be happy he's gone but he's not no because it was it's a tragic thing and like Ben Browder plays that line very well in this episode yes very much mm. it's what carry this, carries this episode I, yeah I think so because yeah. what Pilot is calling about Pilot mm. called uh, there is a peacekeeper signal and it's like but how far are they no, you don't understand. It's coming from inside the ship. The call is coming from inside the house. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> and John's like, right, okay, starburst. And Pilot says, yep, we will starburst immediately, and Talon will follow on a close trajectory. We'll meet up later. Yeah. Like, we're not going to wait until the peacekeepers find us. Let's move. And so the rest of the crew, everybody's in, like, the mess hall, and Chiana blames uh, the Scarron. And mm-hmm. says, oh, it's got to be his fault. He's the Scarron. And Dargo's like, no, I was with him the whole time. He couldn't yeah. have done it. Nigel didn't do anything. Nigel did nothing. And he's like, it was, must have been the Nabari Hubero. No, she was with me the whole time. And then, well, then they point the finger at Orn, and Rigel's like, oh, yeah, Rigel sort of jumps the guns. Well, she was with me the whole time. Orn was with me. Yeah, no, Orn was on me the whole time. Or I was on her. Or, and everybody's like, oh, her. oh, oh, TMI, Rigel, TMI. Yeah, John's like, there's a mental Polaroid we could all do without. But, yeah. okay, fine. So it wasn't any of them. It must have been the tech. It's like, well, no, he's locked in his cell. How could he have got out? So basically what John says is like, okay, you know what? We'll just lock everybody up for safekeeping until we sort this all out just to be safe. And Dargo's like, no, I want to have Rigel in chains. You didn't do anything. Nigel in chains, sorry. (laughs) He'd gladly put Rigel in chains. Oh, yeah, he would definitely. He he doesn't want to imprison these other people. He's making friends. Yeah. He's making friends with the (laughs) Scarron. And so rather than uh, lock anyone up, basically everyone agrees to pair off. So we've got Dargo and Nigel and and Chiana and Hubero and Rigel and Orn. So they're going to pair off and keep an eye on them. Because that worked so well the last time, because apparently (laughs) they still managed to do something, because that's that's the exact situation we were in before. Yeah, uh, it's not a great plan, I don't know. No. So everyone is like, okay, well, let's try and figure out who did this. And Mm -hmm. so they go to leave, and Aaron is facing away from him, and basically there's a long look Crichton gives her, and then he just leaves as well. Yeah. So now we cut to Crace and Jewel attempting the world's biggest game of operation ever. <laughs> I had built your own alien, but yeah, that yeah. was my second. That was my other choice for this. Because they're dressed in basically they are dressed like uh, doctors, in big like long white like medical gowns almost with gloves. Like, yeah, gloves and like a even like a Crace has got like a light around his head. 
mm-hmm. or like a lamp. And there's basic, there's they're in the medical area of Bormoya, and there's a table, and there are miscellaneous bits of alien. Yeah, and they're basically just trying to put this alien man, woman, whatever, back together again. Yeah, and it's it's really gross as well. It's not like here's an arm, here's a leg. No, here's like an amorphous blob of squishy matter that is different colors and is looks like it's breathing, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> there's an eye in this bit. You know, this bit has... There's a sphincter there or something it's it's gross like this bit has several several orifices we have no idea what they do <laughs> and Chris is like okay i think this bit goes here and jules like no no it doesn't what do you mean this is clearly the stomach and this is clearly the ingestion or whatever and it's like no 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 this goes here this goes here this goes here okay i was hoping that if this alien is recovered enough that it could tell us ourselves. So I'm going to start with the head and the, uh, the brain and the mouth. It's like, <laughs> the brain and the mouth. Is that what you think those parts are? It's like, yeah, it's like, what? You don't think this is the brain and this is the mouth? Is that, well, not unless he sits on his mouth. So, huh. <laughs> all right then. <laughs> and yeah, remember, Jewel is, I mean, she said she was not a trained doctor, but she does have... Bio- you know, she's studied sciences and biology and so on. So She has the most medical knowledge of the crew. Out of anybody. So it's certainly more than Crace. So she's like, no, the this part's connected to the other part. And then that part's connected to the squishy I, bit. I just love that they gave Crace this role. It's like, yeah. we could have had a lot of characters, but Crace wasn't really doing anything. So it's like, you know what? Crace is going to be <laughs> helping Jewel put this alien back together. <laughs> and he's really bad at it. Oh, man. I can understand why they paired people off the way they did, because we have another Nabari for Chiana mm-hmm. to interact with and so putting Crace in this spot with Jewel makes sense because everyone else had something else to do but I would I would really have liked to, to see Jewel and Chiana try and put the alien back together <laughs> no 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 because if they do that they'd end up with three different aliens but it's like we actually knowing those two <laughs> we've put it back together but all it does is scream <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, no! Poor thing. No, I I kind of like that they chose Crace on this because we've seen Crace be, basically be this big, tough, badass military commander, and now he's just doing something he has he can't. He's completely out of his uh, out of his depth. He's elbow deep in alien insides. Yeah, and it's, it's <laughs> you can clearly see this is this. He has no experience for this. <laughs> he's going at it. It's like, okay, no, let's do this. I can do this. I can do this. He really can't. <laughs> And I like when you see a character being bad at something. It's like, no, th- this person is not a flawless god. This character just, he has no idea what he's doing. And also, it does give Jewel something to do as well. That highlights why she's actually there and what she yeah. provides to the ship. She's actually useful in this situation. Exactly. Rather than just being a, you know, a hanger-on. So yeah, it's a slight bit of comic relief, but they are trying to piece him back together to figure it out. It's, it's like that darkly weird... Uh, humor almost where they're putting bits in the wrong place we then go to see Crichton and Aaron are trying to repair the transport pod that their visitors came in and he's like okay it's banner screwdriver and she's just silently handing all the pieces and then he starts saying stuff like pink fluffy slippers Donald Duck Mickey Mouse and she's just Dewey and Louie just to get a response from her and she just does not respond at all and he's like okay all right, set up is like, well, he sits up and he's like, do you want to talk? And he, and again, she doesn't respond. 
And he's like, okay, fine, you're right, we shouldn't talk. And, then he's like, no, and he no, gets back up and he's like, no, I need to talk. Yeah. Actually, this scene is really great because they say a lot without saying anything. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you know what he's trying to talk about, what he wants to say, what he wants to get Aaron to open up about. And he's like, well, you and the other, you know, you know what, no. Um, and he also says, like, Chris told me that, you know, no, Chris didn't tell me anything what you two did. He told me to talk to you. So I was assuming, and she just gets up and leaves. And the emotion on his face is really good of, like, the awkwardness of trying to talk about this and... The fact that it is, he's trying to get through to her and appeal to her, and it's just it's not working, and he doesn't know is, what to say. He's the last person who can have this conversation with her. Yeah. But, but he can't. Yeah, it's not really going to work. And the problem is he he still wants to. He he can't n- not try and help Aaron. Really. Yeah, but he, he really can't, because every time he opens his mouth, he's just reminding her of him. And that's, yeah. she needs somebody else to talk to. It can't be John right now. No, not right now. Maybe down the road, but not right now. No. It's still very fresh, very raw. And so she leaves, and John's like, okay. And you can see he's upset. He just sits against the bulk head, and Dargo comes in as Aaron leaves, and he's like, do you want my advice? No. <laughs> and he just sits down, hands over his face. And Dargo's just like, yeah, I get it. And, uh, and he asks, like, what, what advice? Okay, what is it? What advice? It's like Well, he says like I don't I don't know what to say, I don't know really I don't have any advice. No, I don't have any. But I know that you're you know, you're jealous of the other guy, uh, of the other Crichton. And Crichton says, Well the other guy who was the copy, he was the copy. Well he died. And Dargo's like, Well now you see the problem is, John, that Aaron thinks you're the copy. You're the imitation. You're the fake. And I hadn't realized that until now. And it's like, yes, that's exactly what's happened now. He's He's the cl- he's the fake to her. He's the real one she's been with and he, and is dead. And that's why I love that they they kept repeating and making it an important point that there is no original and clone that they are both equal and original was the line mm-hmm. in and they are able to keep that going all the way through even when one of the Crichtons dies. So then we're back to having just the one who is the main Crichton now. Yeah, but even though he is Crichton and the only Crichton the fact that there were two still has effect on yes. them that effect hasn't passed and the problem is how do you compete with someone who is dead yeah you can't and it's gonna be tough for him to even to get back any amount of friendship or whatever he had with Aaron beforehand mm-hmm. and God, it is really to this series credit that they take this idea of there being two Crichtons and they run with it and they keep it going and what is the fallout when one of them dies they treat it really properly like there is it's something i really haven't seen other sci-fi shows do with a similar premise of like no. there are now two of these people so this there's a clone they might last for one episode where they talk about the clone and maybe the clone dies but in those episodes there is always an original and a clone yeah or like Any- there was the episode i'm reminded of an episode of star trek voyager where the entire ship gets duplicated and one of the ship dies one of them dies but they switch over Harry Kim because he dies on one ship and get they get the other one from the other ship and they're like, oh, this is weird. Uh, and it's like, don't worry about it. It's Starfleet. Lol. That would mess you up, okay? Like, yes. I don't care what yes, you... Yes, it would. That would mess you the hell up. <laughs> and, like, Farscape takes that idea of there being two people when there were just one before and splitting them up and living different lives and it really makes it work. And they, like, like you said, they don't just 
once they're back to one, they don't just stop and forget about it. No. They really explore the consequences of this event. Yeah. They really go to the fullest. And once we're back to one, even then, the ripples of what the main character basically dying means. Even yeah. though they still have the main character, he died. Yeah. So like, They really explore that to its fullest. It's like if you break a cup, and then you can try and put it back together, but the cracks, there'll, there'll be cracks there that there weren't before. Yeah, exactly. You can't put it back together again. That's a very <laughs> good metaphor for this. Actually, you know what? I wonder if that's like another... There's a, that's the thing, like you can't put it back together again because we have an alien who they're trying to put back together. Also, also I mean, the episode is called Fractures. Fractures, exactly. Although, so. Yeah, and that's exactly why, because, you know, we're back to the status quo, but no, but no things have changed mm -hmm. quite a lot. The and I just, there. And it just reminded me of, like, yes, this is... And this, this show came at the height of, like, somewhat pulpy sci-fi on TV in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. Mm -hmm. You had Farscape, you had Stargate, you had Star Trek, you had uh, stuff like Andromeda. So there were a lot of these shows, and a lot of them were fairly like throwaway episodes with this kind of stuff. Farscape is like, no, what does this really mean, and how dark can we make this? Mm -hmm. And that's why I like the shows, stuff like this, really. This is what makes it really good. Yeah, agreed. So I just wanted to talk about that, because I know we've talked about that before with how they treat there being two Crichtons and then now back to one. Um, but it's, this episode really hammers it home, and I'm just really pleased that they didn't that it that it wasn't just a throwaway thing. This was a big yeah. deal, and they're still dealing with the fallout from that, and probably will be for quite a while. Oh yeah. So back to the plot of the episode. Crichton has gone to see Rigel <laughs> in his quarters. Yeah. And he's asleep, and on top of Orn, and he's like, "Hey, hey, Sparky," and he's like, uh, "What?" Uh, uh, and he's like, what? Quiet. You see Orn just roll back. He's like, look, the prisoner's pod will be ready in half an hour. We're going to get, let's get them out of here. Like, I don't think I want her to leave. I think I love her. I think she loves me as well. And Crichton's like, yeah, look, we can't keep these people around, man. Look, you've got half an hour, okay? <laughs> it's like, even more reason to make sure that she leaves. I'm like, hang on, coming from you, that's kind of rich, John. <laughs> But yeah, he says, look, you still got half an hour and you, you can get some stuff plenty done. And then he leaves and Orn opens her eyes and she's like, oh, I heard it all. I heard what you said and no, I liked it. And maybe we want to go again. He's like, what? Again? He's like, oh, oh yes. It's like, ah, oh, no, no, puppet port. God, no. God, stop. Just no. pull, just, oh my God, cut away. Cut, 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 cut away. And thankfully they do. Yeah. But there's also a brief bit where Rigel like sits up from the bed and we see a shot sort of from behind as Crichton comes in and you can sort of see his robe sort of slipping down his back and you like it's like no god don't no, oh, no don't want to see this don't want to see this don't need this <laughs> so but then Crichton goes off and we then go to another scene we see Chiana and Hubero now the thing with uh, so we've got so Hubero is another Nabari, like we said, and Hubero is played by Kate Biahan. I think I'm pronouncing that rightly. And so, yeah, she's playing the Nabari. And from what, at first glance, she appears as female. Yes, and that's... How everyone has been referring to her up till now. Mm -hmm. Because we have a scene with her and Chiana, and Chiana says, what was your crime? Why are you imprisoned? And it's like, well, I was actually, when the peacekeepers got me, they, want, they tried to give me back to the Nabari but they wouldn't have me 
they'd have to put me on a nonconformist colony. Yeah, and Chan's like, what do you mean, nonconformist? And Hubero, been wearing, like, fully dressed, like, like just simple clothes, and mm-hmm. then sort of takes down her trousers, and we see from behind of, like, we hear it going, we don't actually see anything. No. And Chiana is a bit shocked, and it's like, hey, wait, you're an, you're an androgen. Mm-hmm. And Hubero says, yep, not quite male, not quite female, something in between, or something different. And they're not accepted by uh, Nabari. Well, Nabari Prime. And Chiana's like, well, we heard, I heard stories about them, but I I never met one before. No, 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 no. Oh, wait, what did she say? The way Chiana says these things, because she oh, yeah. responds like, uh, oh, oh, you're, mm. And she's trying, she's a bit awkward about it. And Hubera, they're also like, Chiana says, they were always taken when they were young. Yeah. And I'm like, hang on, is Chiana, is Chiana flirting with her? Maybe a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, I could see Chiana doing that. Mm. Like playing with them, excuse me. Oh, because John said, well, I've never met an androgen. And Vera says, well, at least you think you haven't. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I like. It's like, because it's, uh, as far as we've seen so far, like, presented as female, but is not, it's, so, yeah, not quite male, not quite female, something in between. And, yeah, yeah that's an, I was, I was not really expecting that. I was like, oh, that's an interesting thing to just bring up in this episode of something and again it, it's something that what given what we know about nabari it makes sense that they don't tolerate them no because they're not they don't I, fit into the gender binary and that's the kind I, of situ- society that the nabari have just the nabari well i mean in specifically in this case the nabari yes. but yes okay. I, 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 yeah I know oh mean. but can i do say one thing about hubaro they didn't have to drop their pants to show that no, I thought that's a bit much. Like, um, um, I okay. Mean, I don't know how Nabari are with that, but that they didn't have to do it like that. They could have just said. So, all right, a little bit of extra world building about Nabari, and or at least that's like a cool thing that I was not not expecting from. This I like episode. I like when they add these things. Also, like, and they're just a person. There's nothing yeah. weird about them. Yeah, definitely. And you know, Chiana's not like taken aback by it at all well, other than just the surprise but she's like oh wow never met anyone like you before and yeah nobody's ju- yeah. nobody on the show or nobody in the crew is judging Hubero for that so yep. that's that's somewhat refreshing to see in something from what 15 years ago yeah something like that yeah like maybe a bit maybe 14 no 15 you're right Yeah, 15 years ago we think we've come a long way <laughs> It's been a long road. Yeah, don't you start. <laughs> <laughs> don't I you start. I like that intro theme. Shut up. Anyway, let's move Shut on up. before we tear each other apart. I'll fight you. <laughs> no. All right. So anyway, the next scene we go to is Crace and Jewel with the Bulite again, trying mm-hmm. to get it back together. And they've managed to reconnect a mouth. Yes. And which it's, is weird. It's just like a, like a purplish bit of flesh with a mouth in the middle of it that's opening and closing and they've just about got it talking and Crichton comes in it's like what what the hell's going on here it just keeps repeating and he's like okay this is a little bit too naked lunch for me which is a reference I didn't get I'm sorry it's a bit of it it is a little bit of an obscure one but it's a reference to the uh, William S. Burroughs novel of the same name and then was made into a film uh, directed by David Cronenberg and Cronenberg who is known for doing body horror type uh, movies and so on 
And there's a lot of really, really bizarre stuff in it. Puppet, you know, like weird-looking puppetry and very, very odd th things. But it, you you know, there's, there's too much to go into right now. But the basic thing about Naked Lunch is like there's an exterminator who finds his wife is stealing insecticide to get high. Then he begins hallucinating because of exposure to that. And he thinks he's a secret agent with two handlers in the form of a talking typewriter and an alien. And things go from there. So, you know, huh. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of weird stuff that John is making reference to because we have miscellaneous bits of an alien connecting up to each other and a talking mouth with nothing else attached to yeah. it. And basically, because it, 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 it apparently thinks that they're still on board the ship. Yeah. And it's like, that's why it's repeating traitor. Okay, who is the traitor? Oh, that's very useful. <laughs> of course yeah. it can. I like Grace. It's like, yeah, um, we've connected all the brain bits that we could find. So it mem it's memory about that might not be here. And John's like, well, yeah, well, we could have been tracking it through the ship on our shoes. Great. Okay. Fine. Okay, that's a comforting thought. Anyway. And so then over the comms, Pilot suddenly comes over and starts screaming, Shots fired! Shots fired! The Scarron has been shot by someone. And so they all convene and Dargo's threatening Hubero, grabs Hubero by the neck and says, like, it was you, wasn't it? And then Orn comes in with... He also uh, grabs Orn by the neck. And I think Orn is riding on the little throne sled and uh, Rigel is, like, clinging onto the back of it. Yeah. On his back of it. And then he's like, oh, maybe it was yeah, you, and grabs her by the neck. And then Chiana and Rigel both are vouching for them, saying that, no, we were with them the whole time. Yeah. And Rigel's like... Couldn't have been it. Maybe it's the tech. So like, well, no, he's been in the cell. Like, they couldn't have got out or done anything and pilot says no another signal has been sent this time including moya's coordinates and john who is at this point attending to nigel keeping pressure on the wound is like well let's starburst again and pilot says well we can't not for another arm also we haven't met up with talon yet yeah so we're in a lot of trouble so they do actually find because the next scene is in pilot's chambers and they found the transmitter that was being used, assembled from scrap parts aboard Moya. To be able to do Sorry. this, you'd need someone who has a lot of technical knowledge. Yeah, so let's actually, I want to mention this, because when the first signal gets sent out, the way it's set up is that the audience is, if not encouraged to believe, but is allowed to believe, or maybe they put the idea in the head that maybe Aaron was doing this. That's what I was thinking as well. Right? So after, that, after a scene with Tech, I was like, oh no, you really don't care anymore, do you? Yeah, so we're clearly meant to think, or at least think of there's the possibility that Aaron has been sending the signal out. They had me fooled. Yeah, and then we get this scene where they come in and say, it's been sent out again, and... Like, oh, Everybody no. was accounted for again. Again, and then, but then when they say, "Well, we need some somebody would need to have a high level of technical know-how," and mm -hmm. so we know that Erin does her best with technical yeah. stuff, but she's not a tech. No, but the other thing is, it's like, no, she's not a tech, but she's come far. Maybe she can do this. I thought. I mean, I was like, I'm not sure, but. Given that they say, no, you would need a lot of technical knowledge to know how to do this, I think then it's like pushing you towards the, this isn't Aaron. 
Like I wasn't I I wasn't it's not, excluding it's, Aaron just yet. It doesn't completely exclude her, but I thought to to my mind watching it, I was like, okay, this is when they're trying to push you down the other road of like, no, you need to be a very technically minded person to do this, which Aaron isn't, and we've and that's been explained before. Yeah, um, but she's also had three yeah, years of training in this. So who knows? Like we said, it's it, it's not aptitude; it's work put in. But then Crichton is, of course, suspicious of the tech. Mm-hmm. And so they go down there to his cell, and there's a DRD watching the cell, mm-hmm. and they're checking on it, and says, hey, I'm still here. And Pilot oh. says the DRD hadn't sensed any movement. Oh, this this tech is only in a few scenes, but God, this actor plays him well, the little shit. Yeah, he plays him as a, like a cocky little asshole. It's like, <laughs> he's just leaning against the wall. It's like, it hasn't moved, neither have I. And he gets close, like, is something wrong? <laughs> he knows what's going on, but they can't prove anything, and they can't get, they can't really do much about it. Break his arms. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like I said, it's not trying to say one way or the other with the technical stuff who did it, but it's putting the putting some doubt on that of like mm, maybe it's, it's not putting there. a lot of doubt in a lot of things. It's making it very unclear, and so pilot says the pod that they are working on. Uh, we'll be fixed in half an hour. No, sorry, quarter of an hour. So ah. we can get you out of here soon. Pilot has been reading Scotty's book on maintenance, I see. Yeah, and Crichton tells Rigel and Chiana's like, okay, one of the people, one of them is a, definitely a traitor. That's the only explanation. There's yeah. Someone has to be a traitor amongst them. Yeah, and we're just, thing we're going to do, we're just going to bring them together, keep them under surveillance, locked up, and then once everyone everything's done, we're going to put them in the pod, set them off in a friendly commerce planet, and everybody goes their separate ways. It's like, John's like, I don't want to blame anyone. I don't want to start a witch hunt. I don't want to get involved in this. Yeah. We'll just send them to a place where they can split up as well, and they can then, then do whatever they want. And, and nobody has to get hurt from here on out. And he's saying that over the comms to everybody. Yeah. While Rigel and Oren are hiding in the maintenance shafts, Yep. And Jenna Hubero are hiding in a uh, supply crate. Yeah, so they're like, no, okay, no, come with me. No, we're not going to be locked up. And it's like, no, I trust you. And, you know. Yeah, it's like, yep, the two rebels of the ship are not listening at all. No. And so, of course, they're standing by them. And as Rigel and Oren are hiding in the access shaft, he's like, oh, okay, we still have so much to do. And maybe we could start it now. And he's like, what? We have so much to talk about. He's like, maybe we can talk later do something now and he's like what here in the access shaft and he's like oh gets <laughs> <laughs> he's like how oh, oh, pleasantry he doesn't say that but he's like oh the access shaft like, oh yes and so they seem to start going at it again so mercifully we cut away yes <laughs> to jewel and Crace taking care of the scarron so they've managed to stop the bleeding and jewel's like i know even less about scarons and Hang on, aren't they supposed to be... Is their skin, isn't their skin supposed to be, like, nigh impenetrable? Yeah, and the Scaron says, well, when they take out the gland, it weakens us immensely. Chris says he is wound hadn't recovered yet. He's still in a weakened state from all of that. Yeah, and what Chris says, the person who attacked him knew exactly where to shoot. Yeah. Because they hit him just on the wound that was still healing, which mm. was a weak spot in his, uh, in his shell. Again, that's somebody with precision aim... Mm. Oh, we don't know. Mm. And so Dargo and Aaron are off searching for Chiana. They're in a storage area and 
looking through or looking through the crates and Dargo says there's like Aaron about Crichton and she just turns to him and is like, No, Dargo, don't. No. And I like that Dargo's trying to I mean, like we said, somebody had to talk to her. Needs to talk her she needs to talk to somebody about this. It can't be John. So I also like that Dargo is like trying to be the best friend to both of them. Like Yeah. One to bring it up for John and on the other hand it's like he and Aaron have that still that strong friendship built on their yeah. warrior pasts. But she just shuts him down and says, No. No. Not no. And then they just go back to searching. And they leave and out of one of the crates come we see that uh, Chiana and Hubero are just hiding in there. Mm-hmm. And Hubero says to Chiana, it's like, I don't want to cause you any trouble. Like, I, I, I'll, I, I'll get out of here. I don't want them to be mad at you. So like, yeah, they're mad at me most a lot of the time. Yeah, and so uh, Hubero is getting out and is going to leave. He's like, no, no, I'm going. I'm going to get in the pod and get away from here. And Chiana's like, no, but that's you'll get shot. That's where you get shot. Hubero's like, I'm not shot. So, but but that's where. And then you know Hubero ru- runs off, and Chiana's like, but but that's. Uh, and then goes after them. So then Jewel and Crace are back assembling the Bulite. They managed to get most of the bits reconnected now. And they're like, okay, I think we've got this. Uh, but then more crystal fire is detected aboard the ship. Pilot says, no, there's more shots have been fired. And the DRD guarding the tech cell has been destroyed. Yeah, and the door has opened. And then Nigel wakes up. Then we cut to Orn and Rigel, and Orn wakes Rigel up after their, you know, bout mm-hmm. of whatever. And he's like, oh, I thought we were... Hynerin's always fallen to a deep sleep after after this. And she's like, no, nope, you got to move your ass now. And, pulls, and she pulls a knife. And we're like, oh, it was her all along. There's a few things that point to this. One, because the blue light said that traitor, so that must have been somebody on the ship. Yeah. Because somebody betrayed them beforehand. Mm-hmm. Secondly, right before this scene happens, the blue light is talking. It's like, she betrayed us. And John turns right. around and is like, he said she. She. Uh-oh. And actually, yeah, that's an important point. Because then yeah, the shoe drops like, for the audience. Yeah, because there's like only one person who could that could be. Referring to. Because the blue light doesn't know any of the rest of the crew. You nope. know, it doesn't know any, anyone else. It can only be referring to Oren. And then... We then, you know, the Scarron wakes up and then we cut into uh, Rigel and Oren and immediately she like, pulls the knife. So it happens fairly quickly and it's like the penny drops and you're like, oh, oh, it's her. In, in theory, it could still have been Hubero because not everybody, uh, John maybe doesn't know that they are Anjan. Yeah, um, I don't know if anyone else actually knows that. I feel, I feel like Chiara yeah. probably kept that to herself and they seem to, seem to present themselves as female so that could still but the knife pulling is very clearly blaming yeah. it on uh, and i think also because of the way that that is set up um previously that we have that scene with chiana and hubero that she, that hubero is androgen so mm-hmm. that later on when they say like obviously we're not sure if Crichton knows one way or the other but when we as the audience know that when the Blue Light says she, there's that stronger connection to must be referring to Oren. Yes, definitely. And that's that is the person that they're referring to. Because yeah. as it turns out, and this is actually funny because we've seen this happen a few times where especially when John visited Rigel to tell him yeah. like 
she's got to leave. They were both sleeping. Because what has Oren done? Basically, whenever uh, they were having, um, you know, making the Hynerian with two backs, <laughs> that when they have pleasure, that Hynerians fall into a, a deep sleep for a while. And that's when she had a chance to basically just jolt. But Ryzel's like, no, but that happens to every Hynerian. I said, that would mean that you were faking and she but she says the pleasure was all yours i, I right. love yours rigel i love that line it's like oh no oh so well done yeah <laughs> like, and so she's you leading... were, you were faking <laughs> and he's like she's like oh, men yeah males or something yeah yeah males actually she yeah says males and so she's leading him along with the knife it's like no no you're coming with me i broadcast a signal to the peacekeepers because I have a good bargaining chip and a dominar. Yeah, they won't. They won't care about lowly soldier if you're on the, on the prize list. And he's like, "You're a soldier," uh, because she's presented herself as a fairly high class lady with her clothes mm. and way of speaking. He, he he's like, "What? You're a soldier?" It's like, "Well, you wouldn't have been interested in me otherwise. You wouldn't have been interested in me if I told you I was a soldier." Yeah, lowly soldier. And when she reveals that she's a soldier, I'm like, "Oh my god." She's his Aaron. Yeah, pretty much. Kind of. <laughs> and so she leads him to the transport pod so that they're trying to get away. And then Pilot comes over the comm and says, oh, Moya's calorics have been neutralized. We can't move. We're dead in the water. Somebody's cut the wires. And then in the uh, medical area, the tech appears. Because and... Grace, Grace is just taking off the robes, taking off the gloves, and is like, okay, I need to go help the search. The blue light can wait. It's like, I need to go looking for, and he turns around, sees Tech standing there. Me? And he dives away, and the Tech is just Sa shooting. Saving Jewel as well, because the mm. Tech is dual wielding. He's a poor shot. Yeah, because he misses a whole bunch and just starts shooting, and then they're both sort of cowering behind the table, or hiding behind the table that had the has the blue light on it, and the Tech just keeps shooting and blasting bits of the blue light off the table onto Krace and Jewel. This poor man, because what Krace does, he basically sees a uh, a basket next to the medical table with something in there. I, I'm assuming it's important. He just chucks it at the tech, dies for the pistol, which draws the fire towards the Scarron, who also gets a full load. So it's like, well, we need to clean up Cass at some point, I guess. Grace returns a few shots. At this point, Oren comes floating in on Rigel's chair, with Rigel strapped to the back. It's like, he's training his shots between the two of them. Grace jumps back behind the medical table, and... The tech just starts unloading at the table and just blasting <laughs> bits of the blue light off. And it's like, you can hear the blue light screaming. It's like, oh, no. And I'm like, oh, poor oh, man. man. I mean, <laughs> he's already in a pretty bad state, yeah. I'll be honest. Like, and then you get those like, oh, no, you're put, they're putting you back together again. He's probably in a lot of, oh, my God, they're shooting me to pieces. <laughs> and his mouth falls in Jules' lap. The mouth is still screaming. Jewel screams, and Grace joins it as well. They're all screaming, just like, ah, ah. I feel like that's an appropriate response. I feel, I feel for everybody that is indeed an appropriate response, even for Grace. Even Grace, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh -huh. Apparently, um, Lanny Tupu and Tammy McIntosh had a lot of fun with those scenes. I, um, I Like I said, I, I like how out of his depth... Grace was, and I hope these two have more scenes because I think they work very well together, actually. Yeah, although these two uh, characters. <laughs> Lanny Tupu was worried that it would seem a bit out of character for Grace to be screaming at that, but a I little think bit. It, I but... think it worked. 
<laughs> I, the thing is, I think it works because it what it shows that Crace is still a little bit out of his depth. Yeah. And also, it's like, I like showing a little bit of weakness to Crace. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. This is one of those weaknesses like, no, he can be a completely badass alien, but when a mouth lands in your lap, <laughs> still screaming. Yeah, it's, no, 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 thank you. I would, no, not like that, please, goodbye. Also, important to note, because Oren runs into uh, Chiana and Hubero before entering the maintenance, uh, the medical area, and uh, in the cr- in the firefight that happens between Chiana and Oren, Hubero gets shot. Like Chiana predicted that they would be hit by pulse fire, which mm-hmm. they were. And Chiana just holds them in the cradles their head in in her lap, and she lets out a bit of a scream or it's something. A bit of an odd scream of just sort of back of the throat of like. A bit like that. Yep, reminded me that of what when Ryder was in control. Yeah, a little bit. It's it similar, a bit it's like similar that. thing that that creature did when mm. uh, when they controlled Gianna. Yeah, I yeah. I was yeah. like, is this part of what she can do now, or I, is she basically know. sending this message back? I I don't even know. I didn't read too much into it to be perfectly honest. Yeah, it's it's, it's just... just something to note and see if it keeps happening. Right. That's for now. That's what I'm gonna. Okay. Why I'm mentioning it. But yeah, so Hubero has been shot. Like I said, killed. we need to thin out the cast again. Yeah, you know, they can't have all these random people st- sticking around, you know. Especially now if they're trying to steal their gimmick. Uh, again, it's it's a shame because there aren't very many non-binary characters in all of fiction, on certainly TV, at all. Mm-hmm. And this one gets killed, and that's unfortunate. Um, it would have been fun to have... I mean, the Scarum would also have been fun to have yeah, around, I think, actually. I think it's a bit more of a shame that that uh, Hubera didn't stick around because yeah. of I... the being an androgen and being... And just basically just from being non-binary because it is kind of a thing that when non-binary or even gay and lesbian you know, characters appear in media, they tend to die. Yes. And that's not good. That's not a good thing. And, you know, like as we said earlier, this was made 15 years ago, so we hope that TV has come a bit further since then, but it's not really gone that much further, I would say. No, it's it's been a long run and we still have a lot ahead of Don't us. Don't you... <laughs> I, will, I will find a copy of Star Trek Enterprise and I will beat you over the head with it. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have it afterwards? Fine. <laughs> All right, anyway, so just that's a, just a brief aside there. But yeah, so Hubero's uh, dead, and they're still making their escape. And so they, the tech makes it to the pod, and Oren is has tied Rigel up uh, as a hostage. In fact, mm-hmm. tied him to the back of her uh, throne sled chair. His, his throne sled. Oh yeah, his. Yeah. She doesn't have one. Right, right. She nicked it off him and tied him to it. <laughs> and so they're powering up the pod and getting ready to leave, and then start broadcasting their location. And so then Crichton and Aaron are like, okay. Let's we go sort this out and Crichton's like, I've got an idea with me. And Aaron also starts running at the same time and Dargo follows them. And so they go out, but they go out in Dargo's ship. The Yay! ancient the ancient Luxon ship. And so they start following the pod. And I like that that John says, like, we had the same idea and Aaron's like, No, I wanted to take your module. And John's yeah. like, Yeah, but you didn't know that Dargo could fly this thing. And so they're chasing after it and like, okay, let's put this. They get their spacesuits on, and Aaron is putting together a harpoon gun. Yep, we've seen that one before. Yeah, and in fact, so she opens it up, and what they do is they fly above the um, 
pod, and Dargo opens the hatch. He's got a above boot. in heavy air quotes because there's you know, no space. Relative, but, yeah. relative, and Dargo's got um, a mask on as well, so he can breathe. And so they open it up, and she points the uh, harpoon at it, and she's John's and John like John asks like Are you sure it'll stick? And she's like It's this alloy. Uh, you know it. It'll hold just like it did on the Budong. And he's like, it's like Budong? Budong. What, what are you talking about? And she about? responds like, yeah, you remember like, oh, for a moment. Yeah, brief moment. And so then she fires it into the pod. It sticks and her and Crichton basically go down it sort of like a zip line. So they get onto the pod and start cutting through the or opening the hatch to get in. I say, they just slap a piece of uh, explosive to the hatch and it's like, fire in the hole. <laughs> And at this point, Tech has basically handed out uh, breather masks to himself and Oren. Not to Rachel. Because he figures what's about to happen. Mm -hmm. And so they blast the way in. Eren shoots the Tech. But then Oren tries to escape on the throne sled. And it's like... Well, I think John hits the throne sled in some way. And basically just loses control and just starts being sucked out of the... uh, hatch and so then he like reaches up and grabs it grabs onto rigel mm-hmm. oh actually i should say there's a actually there's a good line i like before they actually start this uh, sequence they're coming after them and like what do you think they're going to do blow us up it's like oh, i i don't know if they no they won't blow you up blow up this pod with you in it she says to like, rigel oh and rigel responds oh i don't wouldn't be sure sure about that one <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I forgot about it, but yes, I really like that. <laughs> so I wouldn't like, be so I sure about done that. that. Actually, yeah, <laughs> like you know what, Rachel, problem solved. Trail you, yeah, it wouldn't have been too surprising. So anyway, uh, they're trying to escape, and the throne slayer gets sucked out. So John grabs Rigel, and sort of holding him there as they try to move away. Warren has been lifted out of the seat at this point and is holding on by one hand. Yeah. She's like, Raichi, Raichi, save me! And Rachel just comes in, just bites her arm. Yep. She lets go and he just, he lets, uh, lets go as well and she just flies off. And was, John then quickly comes up, gives him a breather mask, like, <gasps> let, I will not be taking a task on being easily fooled or having a trusting nature is no, having says. a trusting nature yeah yeah actually. yeah yeah. and i like that john says just looking up at Oren, who's floating away is like ah women eh <laughs> to rachel yeah because uh, that's exactly what the opposite of what Oren said about rachel <laughs> but the problem is they can't take the pod back because they tech had cut through all the wires and had done something to the energy core so it's going to explode so they've got to get yep. out of there they basically all grab hold of the wire, cut it on their end, and Dargo just whisks them away in a very cool ex- uh, swinging motion away from the explosion. Yeah, it basically looks like they are swinging away from it as it blows up behind them. Yep. And at this point, Talon has also met up with them. Talon has arrived and is yeah. here to save the day. Uh, he, he didn't really have to do anything because they were done. No, but he turned up so they can, they can get out of here now mm-hmm. together. And so... Okay, they just about managed to get away and everything explodes. It's a nice little action sequence once they start the chase. Yep. It's pretty cool. It's, I, it has a nice... Even before that, it has like a nice cut, uh, step-by-step going like, okay, now this happens, and then we have this scene, and the next scene. Yeah. It's a bit of, and then, but even... I think in a, in this action scene specifically, it works. 
Yeah, it does. Works pretty well. And so they get out of there with the big explosion and swinging away and the cool hero <laughs> shot almost. Yeah. Yeah. So then we're back on board Moyer and everything is fine. Everything is sorted out. Mm-hmm. In a way. Kind of. Because Crichton is in his quarters inside Moyer and we start out actually the close up on the chess piece or the chessboard that uh, John has in his quarters. Ah. Which is. I was wondering that what that was, but that makes sense. Yeah. And he starts out by saying, you know, it's, or we hear it saying it's all in my mind. And we see that John is watching a message from the other Crichton, which is what Stark was delivering to him. It's exactly what I thought Stark was going to do the moment they shared a look at the very end there. I thought he had something for the other John. And what the other Crichton is basically doing is saying, like, look, it's all in there, man. Wormholes, all that stuff, it's all in your head. You can figure this out. He's like, it's all in mine, so it has to be in yours as well. Yeah, and we stop, the, you know, Furlough's still out there. She still has some of the info, but we, the Scarens are back to square one. And the Peacekeeper, Scorpius, they're your problem now. And you can tell that this was recorded when John... I mean, John was died like very close to his death. Because mm-hmm. you he, can see the way he looks, and he's—they're both sitting down, which I right, like. Yeah, yeah, opposite each other again, like mirroring each other perfectly. Mm-hmm. Especially now that John is wearing the same clothes, the black yep. shirt. Yeah, and so uh, he says that the peacekeepers, Scorpius, all that—that's your problem. You've got to sort that out. They can't be left to figure this out because we blew up a dreadnought, but that's the only the start. You could do so much worse with wormhole weapons. You could take out an entire uh, solar system. And actually, we also see that out in the corridor, Aaron is walking along and she stops to listen to this. Mm-hmm. Unknown to Crichton. And again, she's not really showing much emotion on her face, at least at first. And so as Crichton listens to the message, says, like, right, here's the thing. Like, you've got to sort this out. You've got to do this. Okay, now I'm going to really piss you off. Yeah. Be smart. Take your time. Don't push her. Yeah, because she takes time. Obviously, you know, referring to Aaron. And uh, just the emotion on... Well, there's just Ben Browder acting opposite himself. <laughs> yeah, uh, no. Once again. What I love that this John starts talking about that, because it shows that not only did he care about Aaron, yeah. but he also, also cares about his double. It's like, look, I know what you're going to try and do. I'm going to give you tips how you should approach this. So let me help you out here. Yeah, because I think in a way the other John is also like, if you're really me, I know you can make her happy. Yeah, something like that. Of like, look, I, I'm not going to be selfish about this. This no, you know, I care too much about her and a little bit about him. Yeah. So not basically help you a lot, you two along with this. You can see on current John's face that he also realizes that. Yeah, it's very, very subtle bits of facial acting from Ben Browder in both roles, really. Yeah. And so uh, he says, like, okay, one last time. And he holds his hand up to do rock, paper, scissors. Mm-hmm. And they go one, two, three. And they both throw scissors again. <laughs> yep. Much like they did again. Like that was actually that was the shot at the end of um, Eat, Me. Eat Me, where they both throw scissors again Two. Scissors, you know, two fingers. And there's still two equals. Yep, equal and original. Mm-hmm. And then the message ends. And what he says to Christ, like, hey, good, and wishes him luck. Yeah, and as that image fades, you see John's face again. And in that face, 
I almost saw what I thought at, when the other Crichton died. It's like he never, he's never going to get to go home. It's almost like th- this John also has that thought in a way. Yeah, of like, well, this is my life now. <laughs> yeah, this and is- it's also like in some ways it's not fair that he doesn't get to like finish this journey I, I, that I'm the only one left. Yeah, and also a little bit of, well, he's got one mission now and it's not get home. It's stop peacekeepers from getting wormhole technology. Yep. And we also see Erin in the corridor listening to this. Not much change in her face, but you can see tears just starting in her eyes. Mm-hmm. Just starting and little bits of emotion creeping across, like very subtly, and then she walks away. Well, yeah, she heard her Crichton again. Mm. His last words. Yeah, and... To the other John. Yeah. Whew. It's fairly... It's a pretty powerful scene, really, mm. and... Again, Claudia Black just playing Aaron as fairly stone-faced, but with that little bit of emotion at the end. Works pretty well. I feel like if we have Aaron be unemotional for too much longer, it's going to be a problem. No, but it, like, but it, like you it said, works it's, for now. it's already very slightly cracking yeah, at yeah, the end. Exactly. So I think if, that, if they take that, they can take that slow. Yeah. They'll have to put some emotion back in, but they can, I think they have a bit of time before they need, really need to go back to that. Okay. So then the next scene, I think the the final scene, is everyone is assembled in Pilot's Den. I love that shot, by the way, with them everybody just being there, the whole cast assembled, yeah. John opposite from them. And Rigel's behind the desk and Jewel's sitting up on top of it. Mm-hmm. Jewel actually has an eye patch now and Rigel says, asks her why and she says, well, I got a bit of, of blue light in my eye. Yeah, so I it's can't... like, why are you such an idiot? Yeah. Uh, fun fact, that was actually because... Uh, Tammy McIntosh had a minor injury on her right eye, which meant that she couldn't wear the contact lenses for the dual makeup, the green contact lenses. So they actually had to give her an eye patch. I figured it was that. Yeah. But I like how I, I like how one Rigel very clearly points it out, and she has a good response to it. <laughs> yeah, and it's in character, and it's not like, oh, what's this thing? Well, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. No, it's... they had to men- they had to mention. Yeah, it, and I yeah. like that it's like. Something like, yes, this is exactly what Jewel would do. So, and Crichton has explained, been explaining the situation. And Pilot says, like, no, he, uh, Moira and I are against the idea, and Talon disagrees as well. Yeah. And Chiana says, well, we don't know how far Scorpius is in his research, or where he is, and how are you going to stop him? And Jewel's like, yeah, I agree, this is a dumb idea. I'm not, I'm not doing this. And John is basically saying, like, look... Scorpius got the knowledge in my head, and I'm not going to let him fell over the entire universe with it. I, I need to do this. I don't see another option. And again, like, it, it kind of cuts in almost in, in the middle of this conversation. We don't see the start of it. So mm-hmm. we don't know what his plan is uh, up front. But he's saying that he doesn't see another option. This is his... Basically, this is his plan. This is what he has to do. Yeah, and the first person to stand up and join him is Aaron. Yeah, because he's basically in front of everybody else and she walks over to him. Doesn't say anything, just walks over and looks and turns back to the others. And I'm like, she's partially doing it for him. Yeah, I think so. Him being the other Crichton. But, I mean, this when he says, like, no, this is my responsibility, I have to do this, Mm -hmm. that kind of, that's what made me think that the message from the other Crichton is like, look, his his goal has changed from getting home. 
that's yeah. secondary now because there's something else, something bigger at risk here mm-hmm. that he's trying to prevent. And so that's that's why he's like, look, I have to do this. I'm asking you guys to, but I don't. I'm I don't expect you to. I'm the one who has to do this. Yep. And then Aaron, yeah, walks over to him, doesn't say anything, just looks back. And funnily enough, the other person who eventually joins him is Crace. Yes, of all people. Of all people, yeah. And so I was I was initially expecting everyone to end up on Crichton's side, but no, it's just Crace and Aaron. I was expecting Dargo to be the first yeah. one. In fact, I mean, it has close-ups of everybody, but I, we had one of Dargo kind of looking over after Aaron walked up, and I thought it was going to be Dargo, but no. No, it's Crace. And I, it makes sense, because Crace is probably the one that realizes how important this is, because he knows Peacekeepers. And he knows Scorpius as well. Yeah. Very well. The, Chiana says, you're all going to get killed. And he, Crichton says, like, did you see that, or are you just guessing? And she doesn't actually respond. She kind of just smiles a bit. I like how John's taking this serious now. Yeah, and he says, Look, we choose our own path, and this is mine. I'm going to the command carrier, and I'm going to stop Scorpius. And that's the freeze frame end titles. Yep. So there's your plot for the rest of the season, I I reckon. Yep, <laughs> it's time to be a bunch of goddamn heroes and go after Scorpius. Yep, we got to go stop the r- wormhole research. And if nobody else, it's just going to be Aaron, Crichton, and Crace. So there we go. That's what's up. If they take Talon, then I mean, we, we have said that there's, that is the best setup. <laughs> yep, pretty much, yeah. They've got Talon with his big gun, and they can shoot their way in, or whatever their plan is. No, I know. mean, as as interaction between characters. Oh, yes, also that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, different different John in this case, but aside from that, no, pretty but, much. But the different John may, adds an extra element to it. Oh, no, 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 I agree. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying that, <laughs> hey, we've we've already seen this works, this yeah. this 3 Okay. So that's where the rest of the season will be going and that's going to be the arc over that. In fact, and there's, you know, there's a two-parter coming up and there's a few other episodes. Mm-hmm. We've got four episodes left. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. So, but before we get into what's coming up, uh let's sum up what we thought about this episode. So, overall this was a good episode. Yes. Um I don't know that it uh, it's a four it's, for me. Yeah, it's a four, I think. Um, and the, the reason that is, uh, the fallout of the death of John and everybody coming back, yeah. I really like that. The real character stuff between the main cast members, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah. The side plot is a bit weak. It's like, it's 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 not bad. No, it's fine. It's not bad at all. It's just, there's nothing innovative in there. No, it, it's stuff... Similar things we've seen before. I mean, I mean, I, th- I like the stuff with Hubero being an androgen. Like that's mm-hmm. that's an interesting thing. Un- ultimately, it doesn't go anywhere. Sadly, would have liked that to be no. developed more. Would have liked them to stick around, maybe. But you know, it's yeah. And and like and the idea of just another crew that has gone through similar things as them that doesn't really they never bring that up. Not really. Like they never bond it's... with these people over a shared experience. Yeah. So that's not amazing, but I, it doesn't really detract from it. It's just no. that it's okay and fine. Had, had they done something more interesting with that part of the plot, that would have pushed it to a five, I think. But that's, yeah. that's what's really holding this episode back. The main plot being okay. Yeah, it, basically without all the extra emotional stuff from the fallout of the other Crichton dying, if you just have to make it stand on the plot of the episode, it would be a 
fairly average. Yeah, it would have been, would have been a three. Yeah, probably a three. Um, but because of all that extra stuff on top of it, really that does elevate it, mm-hmm. I think, up to a four. However, mm-hmm. I did want to bring something up <laughs> about this episode. Because we always compare Farscape with D&D. This is the episode where they, where your party meets another adventuring party. <laughs> and there's characters that like mirror the others. Like yeah, there's yeah, the, yeah. Each party has a burly fighter dude. Mm. Nigel Dargo in this case. Uh, you'll Each has a roguish character. And let's... Let's say those are the uh, Nabari in this case, and your your like your face character, your yeah, ta- yeah. your interaction character has a mirror. Mm. The two uh, Hynerians, like that that was a bit what this reminded me of. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, that that's also nice. a thing you do in D anD. d All right, so yeah, four out of five, good episode, solid episode, and deals with all the emotional weight behind losing the other Crichton very well. And what and that it, does to the relationship of the crew, uh, the crew now that they've come together again. And and it does feel like, even though Aaron does join John at the end for the mission, it feels like that's not over. We nope. that, that isn't wrapped up at the end of the episode, which nope. is, is a good thing. Because yes. some, sometimes when things don't get wrapped up, it's annoying. But this is like, no, this is the sort of thing that doesn't, get wrapped up in the course of an episode this like they said like the other john said this takes time it's yes. going to take time and so i'm glad that they didn't just go back to status quo at the end of like oh they're oh. all fine and chummy now no this yeah, is gonna no. be a lot of work mm-hmm. i can't wait for it yeah it looks it looks pretty good i like i've said we're towards the end i i've said i feel like i've said this most weeks recently but season three on the whole has been really good so far yep uh barring a couple of average episodes I think uh, we have one stinker, and it was only a little bit of a stinker. I mean, mostly the stuff just on Moya that we've said before. Mm. You know, Losing Time, I think, was not a great episode. Incubate, no, but it, Incubator was actually probably the worst one. Incubator though. was the worst, because Losing Time has, ha, actually, has also had ramifications for the main plot. Yeah, Incubator hasn't really, other than telling us that Scorpius was working on wormholes, but then that comes up later anyway, so... Yeah. So yeah, and so speaking about the quality of season three, let's see what's up next week. The mm-hmm. episode is called Hmm, this one I don't quite get the title of, but we'll probably talk about that next time. It's I Yench, you Yench. We'll we'll figure out what that means. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, here's the brief synopsis. Dargo and Rigel meet with some peacekeeper officers in an unassuming diner to broker a deal. Oh okay. And, but then there's a hostage situation. And they have to work out to get together to get out alive. <gasps> That's brilliant! I like <laughs> this idea. Grab two characters that really can't get along uh, uh, together and make force them to work together. And they're also trying to get a way to get Crichton and Aaron onto the command carrier. Ah, interesting. And there's also, from the looks of it, there's a side plot with Talon, but I'm not going to spoil too much about that. Again, peacekeepers get more heavily involved, so... Okay. Sounds like there's going to be a lot going on next week. Yep. You know which character I would have liked to have swapped out for one of those in there? Go on. Jewel. Oh, yeah. Well, we don't... We'll see what happens next week. We'll see what... You're right. You're right. You know, but still, Dargo, Dargo and Rigel being forced to work together, I like that idea. Yeah. Sounds good to me. So that'll be up next week, and... That'll be episode 19. 19 out of 22, so not many left. That'll be... There's four more, including next week. So, mm-hmm. oh, man, we're almost at the end of season three. Uh, there. Oh, my God. Ah, it's crazy. <laughs> I am excited. I am as well. And, yeah, looking forward to doing that next week, and we will see you 
next time. So in the meantime, thank you all for listening. And you can find us around the web. I'm on Twitter at Can't Wear Hats, Red at Red Nightmare 7. Yep. Go to can'twearhats.co.uk. Previous episodes and episodes of our new podcast, Press X for Story, about video game narratives. And I'm going to keep plugging that a little bit longer. <laughs> yes, because it was fun to do and it was fun to listen to. And I've been getting lots of feedback about it. So, yeah, there we go. And uh, that also has other projects and links to Twitch and also the Patreon, patreon.com can'twearhats, which lets all of this happen. And don't forget iTunes, leave comment, leave rating, all that stuff. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye! Goodbye! Bye. Oh, hi, Hats. How, uh, how's it going? Uh, who is this, Hats? I am Guy Incognito. Are you wearing a wig? I don't... How dare you? I'm not wearing Why? any sort of it's wig. A... Why are you wearing a... You have an actual mustache. Why are you wearing a fake oh, mustache? Da- I don't have to take this sort Come of... Come over here. Who I'm... are you? Just take what, this you off. Get off me. How to get off me? This is my Why is there glue on this? Hey, guys, what's going on in... Who's that guy? Wait, what? Huh? Huh?